Our reading this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 9, verses 36 through 43. So hear now God's word to the church. Now in Joppa, there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At that time, she became ill and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in a room upstairs. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples who heard that Peter was there sent two men to him with the request, please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter put them all outside, and then he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Meanwhile, he stayed in Joppa for some time with a certain Simon, a tanner. This is the word of the Lord. My, 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 how people change. Just a few short weeks ago, we were talking about Peter, the disciple who denied knowing Jesus three times. And then last week, Pastor Sherry preached on Peter encountering and pledging his love for the risen Jesus, not once, but three times. All he had to do was to promise that he would feed the sheep, tend to the flock that Jesus had so lovingly watched over for three short years. And here now we find Peter, not squirreled away in Jerusalem behind city walls, but out and about. Disciples, meanwhile, are being arrested, even put to death. And regardless, Peter goes out among the believers to preach and teach and heal. He heals a bedridden man named Aeneas, and he heals him in the name of Jesus Christ. This book of Acts tells us that those who belong to the way, following Jesus, were empowered to turn the world upside down. This is a community that, empowered by the Holy Spirit, was not content with the status quo. Empowered by the same Holy Spirit, they carried on the work and the ministry of Jesus Christ. So Peter gets this call to go to Joppa to find that a disciple, the only woman named a disciple in the New Testament, Tabitha, has fallen ill and died. And we're not clear if Peter knows that she's actually dead when he sets out to go see her, but he goes without delay. This Tabitha must have been someone known and respected to get such prompt attention. This Tabitha, whose name means gazelle, is an unusual woman. She's obviously a woman with some means, but she doesn't stay in the comfort of her means. She actually ventures out to care for the widows of Joppa. In essence, what she's doing is she's running a welfare program for these women. Who are these women? Who are these widows? They were the lowest, most powerless individuals in that society. 
in the custom of that day, in that part of the world, when a woman's husband would die, the woman was abandoned and left to die. She was abandoned to her own devices, forgotten, left alone, no one to protect her, no one to support her, and certainly no one to view her as a viable human being. It was not unusual in those days to find these silent, dark figures abandoned by the side of the roads. There was no use for these women, and they were a burden, and thus they were disposable human beings. So Tabitha reaches out to this group of women by making them clothing. But much more than that, she restores their dignity. It's by stepping out of her place of comfort to care for the lowliest in her community, she empowers this group of women life. Life for women who would have otherwise been considered the walking dead. Invisible, insignificant, Tabitha restores them. She revives them by communicating to them that they matter. They are worthy. And in turn, she provides them with something much more valuable than a warm coat. She gives them hope. The hope to actually expect a different outcome from death. The hope to see what might be in a world where they have had no say in what has been. Peter uses the same expression in raising Tabitha that Jesus did in reviving Jairus' daughter. He says, arise and go. As a matter of fact, there's only one letter of difference between the two commands. Jesus tells the little girl, Talitha, kumi. And Peter calls out, Tabitha, kumi. Peter's confidence in the power of the Spirit is so obvious, and it's a testimony to the power of God in his life. Now, surrounding Peter are the weeping widows, demonstrating their inconsolable grief by holding up the garments that Tabitha had made them. I want you, if you can, to picture that scene. Tabitha's dead, lying out on this bed, and around the room are these women holding up garments, cloaks, their only expression of what they're worth in this world. Women who were, by Tabitha, rescued from their dark desolation and now stand in hope, refusing to give up. Rob Wall, a scripture professor at SPU, uses a lovely phrase to describe the underlying request of the widows for Peter's help. He calls it an optimism of grace. This is what flavors our prayers for one another. It's the golden thread that weaves through our confidence that yes, things will get better. It gives us the courage to imagine the kingdom of God here on earth with each one of us a part of it. The interesting thing is that we do not do this alone. We do this in community. And we do not do it for ourselves, we do it for one another. Some 25 years ago, some family friends of ours who had been married for quite a while and were significantly older than my husband and myself finally had their dream come true. The wife got pregnant and was able to carry their child to full term. There was a lot of celebrating, I remember. 
I also remember that this couple was quite involved in their church community. They were always volunteering in various activities. They were doing Bible study and so many mission projects you couldn't even count them. Soon afterwards, I also became pregnant with our first child. And for the life of me, I could not imagine how this couple with this little kid could do all the things they were doing. I was in awe. But they did. She was always cooking or baking a casserole for someone who was sick, and he was always out doing someone else's yard work. And we would whisper among ourselves, they're church people. When their son Aaron was almost three, this couple received the devastating news that their child had inoperable brain cancer. And their time here together as a family on earth was limited. I remember visiting them with my two-year-old at the time, taking little Aaron some crayons, picture books. I also remember having to elbow my way into their home because it was so crowded with church people. For the next eight months or so, this heartbroken couple did nothing but cuddle their child. Everything and anything in their lives took a back seat, but was taken care of by those church people. The day of Aaron's memorial service, my husband and I could barely squeeze into the huge church sanctuary of standing room only attendance. At the front sat our friends, supported physically and emotionally by those same church people. They were not left to grieve alone. This congregation mourned for Aaron right along with them. Empowered by this unity of spirit, both parents, although experiencing what I would imagine would be the greatest pain any human being could endure, they spoke of their love for this much-desired child, their love for each other, their love for all those who were present that day, and yes, their love for God. Although they had just buried their son and felt like themselves, they were walking dead. This couple was nurtured and restored by God's spirit within the cloud of witnesses who provided for them in their hour of need. Although all of us were there gathered to remember this beloved dead child, the power of resurrection was so present and so palpable. Despite this child not being there physically beside them, the message was loud and clear. Death had not been victorious. God would have the final word, and our friends somehow or some other would rest on the strength of the community to make it through that day, and the next day, and the next day, and so on. Now, I remember distinctly standing in that sanctuary, looking out, and thinking to myself, I want that. I want that assurance that should I falter, someone will hold me up. If I should break into a million pieces inside, there will be others who demand my restoration. I wanted to be a church lady, just like those church people. Now, Tabitha is not so much a church lady because of her good works, but it's because of her attitude and her acts of mercy to others. It was her ability to restore others to dignity and life that in turn gives them the hope and even the courage to ask Peter 
the one who's actually out there doing the work of Jesus, to come to their little town and do something. These previously powerless, voiceless women speak up. Their cries bring about a new possibility because for them as well, death will not have the final word. Tabitha's story is about resurrection, but not just Tabitha's. It's a resurrection about a disciple, Peter, who at his worst was weak and disloyal, but who finds renewal through continuing the ministry of healing and teaching. It's about a group of marginalized, oppressed widows who are abandoned by society to survive as best they can and yet find meaning and value in their lives. It's about a decent woman, a decent church lady, Tabitha, also a disciple, who cared enough to get out of her comfort zone, to go out, give of herself, and being able to be brought back to life to continue that ministry, that life-giving ministry. Now, this is not to say that Tabitha doesn't eventually die. She dies, but not today, not while these widows have a say. These are all people who refuse to stay where the world puts them, where our society puts them. William Willimon, a preacher and author, recently said at a conference that we attended, if you plan on following the risen Christ, if you plan on working with the risen Christ, then you better keep up with the risen Christ. To follow Jesus is not to stay in the place that the world has put you. And let's be honest, which one of us here has not experienced in some way, shape, or form a deadening of sorts, a spiritual deadening, an emotional breakdown, a time when we couldn't move forward, we couldn't move back, we were immobilized. Perhaps it was an illness, the end of a relationship, a job loss, a dream shattered, for so many reasons. So many ways that we can be cut down to feel as if we are dead to this world. And ask yourself, who cried out for your, your renewal? Who prayed for your revival? Who prayed for your restoration? Now, many of my colleagues and friends call me the church lady. And at one time, it was said a bit jokingly. And I have to admit that among my journalist friends, I think they were mocking me. But over the years, I've heard this label soften and actually even become affectionate. I've become their church lady, just as each one of you have become my church people. Together, we've witnessed births and baptisms, prayed for health and discernment, grieved over broken marriages, wayward children, and death of loved ones. And together, we've been church. We've spoken out loudly for one another, Lord, come, do something, be with us. And in the midst, Christ has been present. C.S. Lewis wrote, Miracles are a retelling in small letters of the very large same story, which is written across the whole world in letters much too large for some of us to see. You and I have witnessed our own little lettered miracles right here in this very place. The church is at its best when she refuses to stay in, within the sanctity of the church walls or the hallowed halls of Christian education. It's when the church, like Peter, like Tabitha, the gazelle, dares to venture out 
and reframe the possibilities of this world. There is where you find Jesus alive and well, and there is where you encounter the risen Christ. This particular church has a remarkable legacy of a world vision for stepping out into other places like Vietnam, South Africa, Mexico, New Orleans, and even in our own backyard in Seattle, to stand and speak for orphans and widows, for the homeless, the poor, for the foreigner and the stranger, for those whose lives can be saved by a simple vaccine or restored by an inexpensive prosthetic limb. There's so many waiting to be revived. And yet the church cannot stop. It cannot rest because like Peter does not settle in Joppa and live happily ever after with Tabitha, he moves on. And interestingly, he moves on to stay with Simon, a tanner, a man whose occupation would have just classified him as really a very lowly and unclean person in that society. Peter, as a representative of the church, sets his sights on a farther horizon. You see, the good news of resurrection, the good news of life, must be delivered far and wide. There are so many lives to be restored. On this fourth Sunday of Easter, when the refrain, Christ is risen, he is risen indeed, is still fresh on our lips, let's you and I not fall into Easter complacency. This is an exciting season at MIPC. So many have been called to envision the church's future, and so many more are being called by God to come and implement that vision. And you and I, as people of the resurrection, we also are being called by the God of Moses and Paul, the God of Esther and Tabitha, to the way, to the way of Jesus. And to do so, each one of us is going to need to proudly declare ourselves a church lady or a church man. We're going to have to have the guts to deny the status quo and boldly follow the risen Christ, wherever it is that he may lead this church. There are widows of all types and sorts waiting to be revived, given a voice, provided hope. Let each of us, like Tabitha and like Jairus' daughter, arise and go. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you um, call us over and over again to do your work in this world. Let us be a message of hope, a message of life. Amen. <laughs>